Welcome, superhero. Your heart is in the right place. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. In this second season of the Superhero of Love podcast, I'm gathering tips from thought leaders about how we can unpandemicize our hearts, heal the effects of the pandemic on our hearts, and love and be loved more than ever before. So let's get this heart party started. Welcome. Biggest core values is love in general. And oftentimes when I'm like struggling uh, these past couple of years, I'll tell you about it, but these past couple of years have been really tough because being with the students in person, it's very difficult to, you know, not see the mission and not see the love, but mm -hmm. being by myself, working mm -hmm. in an like my home office, mm -hmm. uh, rarely getting to be in person with people, it's it's been a really big reminder for me, the past, especially the past couple of weeks, of I have to tune back into the love and I have to tune back into that power of mine. And when I'm feeling really disconnected from myself, understanding that a lot of times it's because these core values of mine are not being met or I'm not utilizing the strengths that I have. So it's just interesting because you turn it on and I was like, oh yeah, there it is. There's the love. Right. Yeah. No, you are superhero of love. Let me actually introducing Donovan Taylor Hall. So I'm going to say he's a very important person on this earth right now. Like that should be your moniker, right? Very important person on this earth right now because he's empowering children to be their most amazing best selves in spite of and because of this crazy ass world, right? And you are, that's why I wanted to interview you. Like I interview people that I consider superheroes of love who are in the business of loving and show helping people love and be loved both. Right. Yeah. And that is so who you are, like almost more than anybody I've ever interviewed. And one of the most beautiful things, like I emailed Donovan um, after I asked him to um, to be in this interview because I have a friend's son First of all, I, have, I don't have kids myself, but I absolutely unequivocally see the value that you're providing for this planet by nurturing these these kids and especially your expertise with middle schoolers, but obviously every age. And I emailed Donovan because I have a friend's son who's in his 30s, but he huh. started using drugs when he was at like 13. So you know how you just kind of like your growth gets kind of stunted. So it's almost like, I was like, God, he really needs Donovan. And I mean, I hope, and I, we emailed back and forth and I, I've just, I hope you start training people to start talking to every age. I mean, like we could all use a Donovan session, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, I, I've talked about this a little bit before and sometimes uh, like when I did, when I did the Today Show, I, I talked about it and they didn't really feature it heavily, but mm. I also had a substance abuse issue that started when I was 13. And um, for me, what really saved me in, in so many different ways was the work with kids and finding it. And I never, I never sought it out. It kind of, every time I started working with kids, people would kind of push me in that direction. And I would be very clueless as to why I thought or they thought that I would be good with kids, but it really helped me because it was really difficult at that time to love myself. I had never been taught that. And I had a very, very rough relationship with myself. Um, I was very lucky to not have 
external bullies, but I had the biggest bully of them all, which was myself. But with kids, it was like, I couldn't help but give them love. And they were Mm. so receptive to it. And I think the, because I kept being put in these positions before I even started thinking about how can I help kids on a bigger level when I was teaching like gymnastics and going to leadership camps for kids and teaching like uh, acting for kids, I still felt so connected to myself because it allowed me to pour out love um, to people who really needed it. And I think um, if I hadn't had that, I don't know if I would be here. I don't know what I would be doing with myself. I don't know how I would feel about myself if I hadn't had that experience of um, having a space to really give love um, and then receive love from the kids as well. I It was life-changing for me. And so I'm I'm very passionate not only because I want to help kids, but I also want to give back to them for what they gave to me um, for years, you know? Right. It's definitely a flow, right? Like uh, I had a friend who was just struggling with depression for many years and it popped into my head. How about volunteering? Just even if you volunteer 15 minutes a week in your community and it doesn't matter what it is, if it's just holding dogs for 15 minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she started doing that. And then eventually that led actually to a paid job where she was making a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And that shifted her depression. Like, uh, yeah, like that giving and receiving of love. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. In this um, season of the Superhero of Love podcast, I'm focusing on unpandemicizing our hearts. In other words, looking at the pieces of our hearts that we were either unconscious of maybe even, or conscious of being beaten up by, by the pandemic, you know, like not being able to attend funerals in person or Mm -hmm. losing relationships, losing friendships, whatever, depression, increasing anxiety, increasing Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And you have a special Vista. I want to hear about your own heart. Um, Donovan, but I'd also love to hear for the parents that are listening about how you're helping the kids navigate those troubled waters. I think the hardest part, and it's, you'll super appreciate this. It feels very aligned with that. Um, I worked with a group of kids at a school in California for two years. Um, I was at the school for three years, but for two years with them, And I had been doing this work. I ran an after-school program where I did my own curriculum and I I called it full life. And those were like my first kind of group of kids. But when I moved into a school setting and got a chance to really teach the curriculum and be with these kids every day and support them for two years, I had them in seventh and eighth grade. Um, So much of that community that we built was around love and and connection. And uh, I think that's where I really found my passion for working with middle schoolers uh, because there's so much negativity around that age, um, not just from them, but like specifically from society, like how we view that age, how we talk about that age, how we treat those kids. And what I found was that when there was a learning place that was centered around love, um, that they were able to really show up in, in new kind of ways. And, um, when the pandemic happened, I still remember that day I had just gone through a massive, huge thing with the kids because we, we had a teacher at our school that was, um, unintentionally creating harm for the kids Mm -hmm. and they were creating harm for her. And basically it, it was just a really bad situation. Um, kids were like boycotting her class. I mean, it was really bad. And I'd had these kids for like two years. So I was in the background, like, there's no way these are the same kids, but 
they felt um, very unsafe in that space. And then that behavior started to, they started to project that behavior towards the teacher and they would do things like destroy the classroom. They would like completely not listen to her. And it was obvious because there was harm that was being done. This was not happening in their other classes. It was just happening with this teacher. So she ended up leaving And my boss asked me at the time if I would take that class over because in my position, there was two of us. And so he was like, you have a connection with the kids. Like they need you in this space. I don't think there's anyone else that we could bring in that could kind of salvage this year for them uh, in that specific uh, class that they were in. And so I took it over and we we spent, I want to say we spent a month in a restoration process of acknowledging the harm that had been done uh, from the teacher, from them to the teacher, from them to the classroom, uh, from them to each other. And uh, we, we redesigned the classroom. We created a new way that we wanted to be. And then we started having so much fun in that class. And I remember because we were working on a board game project at the time and the kids were getting to create their own board games. And I'd never seen kids more engaged with anything. I was having an absolute blast. And then we found out that, I mean, it's just, it's just like even trying to think about it right now, it's wild. It was like, okay, we might have to go on break. And then it was like, it looks like we are over the weekend. We might have to extend it to next week. And then it was like, okay, we're going on a two week break. And I, I just remember like thinking, you know, I'll see them in a couple of weeks and I didn't, and we didn't get to end the year together. They had to graduate eighth grade away from us. I was only able to see, I think like 13 of them because I got to deliver their diplomas to their house. But it was like, these kids were, and they are so important to me and important to my work. And I knew that I wouldn't be teaching for much longer because I never intended to to be a teacher for a long time. And I ended up getting a tattoo for that group because there was a song that I used to play in class all the time. I don't know if they liked the song. I love the song, but I used to like, I used to shout the lyrics at them even when they were like really frustrating me because the one of my favorite lyrics is my love for you is super love. And so I got a tattoo that says super love and I was going to show them at their graduation. That was always the plan. And then I never got to do it. And it, um, I, I haven't shared this on with anyone like uh, publicly before, but I ended up taking, uh, I ended up going to grief therapy because Um, I've had a lot of loss in my life. I've had a lot of death, but this one felt like, I don't know. it, It was, I needed to grieve it. I needed to, to be able to kind of hold space for that because it was so such a huge source of love for me to be taken away and 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 for us to not be able to connect especially as a teacher like they're not kids they're not people my age and so I can't like stay in touch with them as much as I would like to mm-hmm. but it, it it harmed it caused so much harm for me and um I, and I and I don't want to say it caused harm for them but losing that time together I'm sure it did yeah, it's like losing that time together was really, really tough. And it, it I felt like it was a, another death in my life was the death of this community and and not being able to have closure. It reminded me and it, it kind of activated and triggered me around like the experiences I had as a young person of loving someone deeply. And then, you know, they're there one day and they're not they're not the next. And so um, I had to like really tend to my heart um, to take care of it. So I didn't 
So it didn't impact me in a worse way because so many people were already struggling with, you know, mental health, uh, going, being stuck inside. And, um, of course I will do what I need to do to, to help keep the community safe. But I also struggled a lot with that. And I can't even imagine what kids who had community and, and had support and had love, um, whether it's from their teachers or from their friends or just being in a space where that was consistent for them, how that impacted them, you know? Have you been able to talk to them or share your, like that yeah, is so, so I, empowering that you went to grief counseling. It's so empowering for, you know, it's it's almost like um, when you hear an adult coming from vulnerability like that, like saying, I'm sorry, or saying I went to grief, you know, like, it makes me cry. It's so beautiful. So yeah, I'll let you answer. I never got to tell them I have a public Instagram account and most of these parents knew me and, and know me and I'm in contact with a lot of their families just because for two years I was a part of their kids' lives. And so I have a public uh, Instagram account um, that they can contact me with. And I would say I've talked to maybe out of like 130, I've been able to connect with like 60 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I I coach um, for like, I, I have a coaching business. I do volunteer coaching for them just to kind of continue the work. Uh, and because they requested it. And if you have a kid saying I need support, then of course I'm going to show up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never told them about the grief counseling. And I think, uh, it, it was just, um, mm-hmm. something that I kind of had to do to take care of my heart. And it's also connected to all the loss that I had as a young person, Absolutely. but I think, I think maybe the second session of counseling, I was like, and also my kids and the people were like, your kids. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like they're alive, but <laughs> I want to grieve it because grief, there is so much grief um, from lost opportunity, from lost connection, from lost community, lost resources. Uh, there's, there's so much grief that I feel like people needed to talk about and needed to lift up and own. And if I was a young person and I had a teacher who I cared about and who said that this had had an impact on them, it would have made me feel like it validated in mm-hmm. the struggle of like, it's not just me, right? Like people actually do miss me and care about me, you know? Absolutely. I'm sure they miss you terribly and still do. And it still is a wound. You know, that is a loss for them. That's a huge loss. It's so good to presence us to, to that as being a huge loss, just like a death, like, just like you did. Mm-hmm. Is there, so in taking care of your heart through that process of grief counseling was just talking about the biggest thing, or is there anything that you can share for someone who experiences something like that because we all had a lot of losses in the pandemic yeah. right? everybody had a loss of some sort yeah right? <laughs> I, I think for me I'm still struggling I grief has been something that stayed with me most of my life and one of the things that I realized recently and kind of exploring my own grief because I lost my dad when I was six and yes. so I've I've struggled with grief uh for my whole life but one of the things that someone reframed for me recently um is this idea that to grieve means that there's a deep love connected to it. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think of grief, it's often this really negative thing, but I try my best to, to honor um, the time that we had and to, you know, I still reach out to them. I just talked with one of them today um, because they just reached out and asked for help. And I was like, and all 
was like, of course, you know, like I'll be here. But even finding ways to to practice like gratitude uh, mm. for the time that we had and and kind of learn because unfortunately, grief is a part of life and, and we're all going to experience it. And in a way, I've had kind of this training around it since I was younger. But I, I also tried to create some rituals to try to connect where I can. Um, and so, for instance, I have this huge wall and it's pictures of kids that I've worked with for years because I, as I started to, to kind of grieve that loss, I also realized that when I love people, the love doesn't go away, you know, mm. and, and, but the kids move on and it's like, it's, it's something that I wanted to honor and recognize and make sure that I keep close to my heart um, in case, you know, they ever come back or yeah, like honor that time together. I think that's my biggest. I love that you talk about gratitude so much. I just feel like it's one of our most powerful tools on planet earth, right? Like as humans, we get to, we get to play with that tool. And I just entered the last interview that I did for this podcast was a hall of fame basketball coach. She was a high school basketball coach and then um, college hall of fame basketball coach. And she wrote a book called rooted to rise. And I can't wait to hear what you're thinking about writing, but yeah. um, rooted to rise. And, and it's like basically gratitude stories. Right. Mm-hmm. And somebody, an old friend of hers said, I have to have breakfast with you after reading the book and said, I am about to go on a tour of the United States. And I am going to go from person to person to person that has made a difference in my life and say thank you to them. Right. That's and, and amazing. Like, isn't that beautiful? It's like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a great practice, but with your pictures in the background, it's like, that's what you're doing. You're making it a daily practice right now. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Well, when you were talking about earlier, like community service um, as a way to, to kind of lift us out of our own situation. For me, gratitude is one of the most important skills you can help kids practice because it's, it's altruistic in a sense that if they're sharing gratitude with people in their life, that that has an impact on not just the person who's receiving it, but the person who's giving it. And so mm-hmm. I do like a whole unit with kids on gratitude. And actually one of the ways that we stay connected through the pandemic, which were, it was such a blessing to have it. There's an organization called Give Thanks and Give Thanks is an online social, um, it's like a social networking tool for kids in schools. And basically what they're able to do is they have a roster and they can send each other gratitude notes and the teachers get a chance to see it and we can help coach them to like deepen the work. So it's, you know, not just thanks for being my friend, but thanks for this specific action. And when we went on pandemic, uh, or we went on the break and quarantine, my boss recognized it. My principal, his name is Joel Key. He's amazing. He recognized how important it was for the kids to have that connection still. And so they let me shift my entire class to mainly focus on using that tool and to see the kids continuing to give each other love and lifting each other up through messaging. Uh, I, I think it really helped kind of shift the end of the year to still stay in that space of community and and stay in that space of connection. And it was just powerful to see them, to hear eighth graders, you know, uh, especially my boys, to hear them lifting each other up. And, you know, I would, I would get like a message that someone messaged someone and then I'd check and it would be like, thanks for playing video games with me last night. Like I, I felt like I had, like, I felt like I was like with my friends again and, and seeing them connect and in this like kind of love centered way, it just meant so much to me, um, especially because we had been practicing gratitude as a community for so long. So I think 
gratitude is like the action of love. I can tell kids that I love them Mm -hmm. and they can hear that, but I feel like sharing gratitude with kids has been probably some of the most powerful work that I've been able to do with young people. Yeah. I've seen, um, Donovan's Instagram is Dono friend, D O N O F R I N D. People are always like, do no friend. And I'm like, it's like Donovan. <laughs> Fine. You have so many inspiring videos. And, um, one of, one of the things that I, I love, you just mentioned it playing games with them and using that as a tool to connect with them. And, um, but I'm going to let you talk about that in a second, but I also just want to acknowledge you and just say thank you also for the way that you talk to them because it, it, I mean, like, I feel like I get a tutorial for myself every time I hear you talk to one of your kids, because like, I love how you say, I'm sorry, I keep crying in this, in this interview, but when you say, can we have a conversation, Mm. you know, like just the way you say, can we have a conversation? It's like, I'm asking to enter your heart. Can you open the door to your heart? Because I'd like to step into your heart. I mean, I pre- it's so interesting. I I never, ex- I don't know. I've, I've been hyper-focused on my work with the youth empowerment. And when I started my TikTok, like the kids made me start my TikTok. But like very quickly, I realized I could show my teaching because I've had a large vision. I've had a huge vision for my work for years. And that I'm very much on it right now. But when I started sharing my work, I also realized that wasn't just youth empowerment, it was youth development for adults, because a lot of people didn't know, like how to have conversations with kids like this. But for me, like to love someone is to respect to see them to really honor them. And I think about how often, not just parents, but in teachers, but society, like we don't ask for permission from kids, we don't grant them respect. Like if somebody was to pull me aside and just suddenly give me feedback or like, tell me what to do, I would like probably put my fists up. But it's like, because society, we say as an adult, you have the right to this. But as a child, you don't. And if we expect kids to respect themselves to have high levels of self worth, we have to start treating them that way. And so Sometimes I, there's videos that I haven't really posted, or if you go on my TikTok, maybe you'll find some of them. It's like, sometimes kids will say like, I don't want to have a conversation right now. And I'm like, okay. Right. If I say, can I give you some feedback? And they're like, I don't feel comfortable. I'm like, thank you for telling me. Wonderful. I won't do it. And because it's like, if I push through, if I see something in a young person and I say, I have to tell them this, like, I have to have this moment with this kid. It's not about them. Because if someone says I'm not comfortable receiving it this way, then, then I'm not respecting that. And so we even had different methods where I would say, like, I have some positive feedback I like to give you. Would you rather receive it in person, in writing or not at all? Wow. And it was never... Well, I had one kid who said not at all because they said that they felt really uncomfortable getting positive feedback. And it was tough. It was tough for me to be like, okay, like I hear you. I respect that. If you ever are ready to receive it, let me know. But most of the times kids would say like, could you send it to me in person? Or like, I'm fine one-on-one. But I think that that's like a bigger part of the work for me. Um, It's not about, I need these kids to receive love from me. I need them to understand how great they are, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I need them to understand that I respect them and that, that this is their life. And if I can help kids um, build up their capacity to make 
choices about what they're receiving and what they're not and what they're taking on and what they're not, then I feel like it's really helping empower them in their lives. Um, and also kind of teaching them how to show up for one another, how to say, can I offer this to you? Or here's what I see in you as a person versus defining one another or, or feeling, um, you know, like obligated to play these roles in life. So it it is very intentional the way that I talk to kids. And I just try to think about what it felt like to be a young person and have the world kind of shoved down my throat in so many ways. And in terms of we are the ones who get to tell you how to feel, we're the ones who get to tell you what to do. You have no rights over your life. So if a kid can say, I don't want to receive this right now, that's a huge victory for them to be able to set that boundary for themselves. And it's Mm -hmm. tough because it's like, I just want to spill and I just want to tell them all the ways they're great. Right. But I have to respect where they come from. And that to me is a sign of love. Yeah, but it's really, I mean, it's just as important for me as a, oh my God, a very old person, but um, it's really, it's so crucial for all of us to hear this. Can I ask you, speaking of the mm-hmm. age, what drew you to, when you were talking about that, I was like, oh my God, that age, that middle school age, it is mm-hmm. like, it's like I have a pup, a six month old puppy and I just want to control her. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. no, she's being her puppy self. Let that, And I, think of, um, you know, middle schoolers is kind of like puppies. It's like, we're getting our, we're getting in touch with our power for the first time and understanding Mm -hmm, what we can do. mm -hmm. And we want to, we always, as Americans, we want to wrangle everything that's out of control. Yeah. So tell me about your, your knowing that you needed to go to middle school or what drew you, drew you there? Um, I think it's, there's like a couple of things I can remember. First of all, when I started working with middle schoolers, I just think they're fun they're a lot of fun and and humor is a huge thing for me. And it's kind of sad that not sad. Something I'm looking into is why that doesn't resonate with my work as much. Like why I don't show that side of my work as much where it's like me having fun and laughing. And because like, I'll go to a school and they'll say like, I'm, I'm working with about to go on a, a speaking tour on the West coast in a couple of months. And they're like, well, can we show the kids your TikTok?" And I was like, don't, don't. And they were really shocked by it. And it was because that that type of emotional vulnerability with kids who don't know me probably doesn't resonate the way that we as society think it should resonate. Because a lot of my relationship building with kids is being fun and enjoying like their presence and just really liking that age because they don't get that enough. It's like they're always kind of looked down upon and they're internalizing a lot of that. So I thought about myself as a young person and I started hating myself in middle school. And so I started talking to people in my life about, you know, I thought it was just me, but every time I would talk to someone, they'd be like, oh my God, it was the worst age. I couldn't stand myself or middle schoolers are the worst. And I just kept getting that. I have one friend who she is an outlier in every sense, but she was like, oh, I loved middle school. Like, I was so happy. And I was like, all right, well, you know, you're an outlier and you're a reminder that everyone has their own experience. But for the most part, it was like people were having visceral visceral reactions to like when I would ask them how they felt about themselves in middle school. And I was already working with high schoolers. Um, I was working with college students. I used to teach mommy and me classes. Like, so I've taught literally every age, but the middle schoolers were so receptive And they also 
didn't seem as, um, and I don't mean this in a negative way for the high schoolers. I think it's a good reason, but they didn't seem as jaded by mm-hmm. these kind of conversations. If you go to a, a senior and you say your grades don't matter, right? Like your learning matters. They're like, cool. I'm my senior year of high school. <laughs> like I'm ready to get out of the education. Don't talk to me about this, but middle school, they have this heightened awareness of who they are. And I think about the work I do is helping kids build positive self-identity. And it's a lot harder, as you know, with adults, right? It's a lot harder to to change and grow your identity and to grow a good relationship with yourself if you've been living in a rough one for so long. I know that for me, I I had to do years of work before I could really start to like love myself or before I could feel good about who I was. And so middle school is like, okay, they're aware that they have a relationship with themselves. They can pay attention. They have deeper like cognition around their thinking. They can understand like they're thinking about who they are and how they're like, how they impact people and how people see them. And so I just wanted to kind of learn the tools to build that with myself. And once I did, the first thing I thought was like, man, it would have been so great to have learned this in middle school. Like, yeah. because this, that's what's happening for them. They care about who they are and, and we, people will call them selfish and blah, blah, blah. But that is a huge part of their identity development phase. It is a natural thing for them to think about who they are. And because we don't give enough space and hold them in that, in that moment and give them the tools to really build a good relationship with themselves, a lot of times they do that work on their own or they lean deeply into how other people view them because they're trying to figure out who they are. And so that's when I was like, okay, this feels like the age for me to kind of intervene and step in and say, these things might be happening. You might start thinking these things, right? You might feel this way about yourself. We can grow. We can change that. It does not have to be that way for you. Um, and and it's just, yeah, it's, it's wild to talk to these high schoolers who I had in middle school and hear them be compassionate with themselves and oh. hear them be kind with themselves and hear them forgive themselves. And, you know, they still have the mannerisms of young people. It's not like I've created like, you know, a different breed of people, but it's like at the same time, you can just hear it. You can hear it like come out in them where they're like, you know, I'm trying to take better care of myself. And, and those kinds of nurturing qualities and a relationship with yourself can change the trajectory of someone's life, you know? And, and, and people will say, I I talked to a lot of parents who were like, my middle schooler are struggling and, I just feel so helpless and, and kids are going to struggle. That is like a part of life. And I think we are so afraid of people struggling, but I talk about this a lot recently for myself too, is there's a difference between struggling and suffering Mm. and struggling is productive. Struggling is figuring out how do I get over this obstacle, whether it is making friends, whether it is um, understanding, you know, their personality, whether it is figuring out how their brain works, whether it's learning, whether it's things with their body, like there's so much that they need support and kind of figuring out. But when there is not a space for that work and when there is not love and compassion for that age, they internalize it and then they get lost in that process. And that's when it becomes suffering. And it it makes me sad because so many kids are using the language of depression and anxiety because that is being, that's a huge thing in our society right now, but we're missing, we're missing it. It's like, like a, a kid can be like, I'm sad. This is this I'm hurting right now. And it's not depression. 
right? Like I'm, I'm going through a tough time in my life, Yes, but it's not like anxiety or mental illness. And you hear kids diagnosing themselves a lot because they're saying our needs are not being met. And I had depression. I've, I struggle with it. I still struggle with mental health stuff my whole life. I've had a lot of trauma as a young person, but I can also tell when I'm suffering and I need extra support or when this is a struggle that I need to learn and grow from, it's going to help me like find out who I am in the world. So I don't, I never want to stop kids from struggling. I just want to give them the tools to take care of themselves while they struggle so they can make it through with growth and with expansion versus um, shrinking and hiding and trying to find safety and things that don't really provide um, nurture for them. Like, like the alcohol drugs. drugs. Yes. Yeah. Like for me, that's, that's, <laughs> right. that's what it was. Cause I was right. sad. And then I drank and I was like, woo, I'm not sad anymore. I was very right. sad. I was right. very sad, but it, it numbed it. And I didn't have the role that I played as a kid was like, I have, I have to be all right. Like losing my dad at a young age, I had to get good grades. I had to make friends. So on the outside, I, I looked fine. Like I had good grades. I was in club. I mean, I was in like after school clubs. Like I, I was not a behavioral issue. Then we got to high school and I was, I hated myself because I had so many negative emotions and unpleasant things happening inside me that I had no space to open up or share about that. I took it out on myself and I harmed myself and I, I jumped on the first thing I could find that would make me feel better. And you know, I, it, it didn't, it made things worse in a lot of ways. I love your mom. And I love when your mom pops in on your video, that one, that one amazing video. <laughs> Mario. Where she pops in. Oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so she didn't know what was going on either. Right. She didn't no, like, she's she didn't. so cool. Like she's, she this didn't. is like such a, this is a testament to, you can be an incredibly amazing parent, right? Like yes. she was uh-huh. an amazing parent and she, uh-huh. she missed some stuff. Right. So um, yeah. And it's like, and it, and that's, and I, I get so sad. I really want to start like a hotline for parents to just call and me just be like, Hey, you're doing great. Right. Because if you, because no matter what, and I think about all the struggle that I had, my mom loved me unconditionally and I knew it and I knew it. So no matter what I was going through, no matter how bad life was, like I always knew that I was loved. And it helped me so much. And so I often talk to parents who are who are worried about their kids. And my first thing is like, do you love them unconditionally? And do they know it? Right. Mm. And if, that's, if the answer is yes to that, like you are doing like the most at this time, because the rest of it is like kids struggles are not ours to fix. Mm. They're not. And then that's a hard thing for us to swallow. It's like, it's a hard pill to swallow. I get it. I get it. I wanted to fix every single problem that one of my students went through, but it was never about so often. Was it about fixing the problem versus holding space for them, taking care of them, you know, like loving them and, and offering some things for them to try out and then letting them go out and figure it out. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, speaking of going to figure it out and back to play to playing games with them. So can I ask you, did you have games growing up? And, and also I want to ask you social media, like where was social? Cause I can't even tell you look so young, but I can't tell how old you are. So can you tell me was social media a thing when you were growing up and gaming, was that a thing for you? So tell us about um, that. Cause I you're using think... both as tools right now. Right? Yeah. Well, it's just like, I get really frustrated with the whole kids these days conversation 
because I remember being a kid and adults saying that about us. And then I, I remember I read something recently. It was like an article that someone wrote about like the dangers of reading books a long time ago where they were like, these kids, they've always got their heads in a book and they're not. And I was like, oh, so this is a trend. So it's not even like specifically the thing that we're using. It's just this trend of we did things differently when we were younger and we're better because, of, and it's so weird. And I think it's the most, I had a friend from high school say that to me. They're like, Oh my God, these kids these days. And I was like, um, I have some pictures of you when we were 14. Like, like, do you want me to show you what we were doing when we were 14? Because I think you can give them a little bit more space. And they're like, Oh no, well we were different. Like, yes, we were different because we were different people. So the, but video the danger of me, social media, I just want to say it's yes, social, social media, media thing that is, just feels like miss, incoming missiles for every human, but especially for terrifying. little humans. Yeah, yeah okay. it's terrifying. And the difference between kids didn't make social media, right? Like that's not a thing that kids do exclusively. There are adults who are pushing this. There are yeah. or corporations who are profiting off of the struggle of young people. There are people who are actively poisoning the way that kids view themselves. And that is not something that me, my generation or previous generations had to deal with. So you take all of the, just the regular kind of stress of being that age. And then you add on this entire thing where kids are having to create multiple identities for themselves to find safety and value. And, and I, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine how stressful it must be, how awful it must feel to, to feel that pressure to not only be a certain way at school or with your friends, but then even online. I mean, it makes me like, and it makes me sick this is kind of tied into the gaming. It makes me sick that there are so many people who are talking that kids are listening to mm. that are not talking with kids in mind, right? Mm. Like the people that these kids are listening to, some of these people are, are babies themselves, right? These 18 to 22 year old influencers who are pushing these things, like they're not even, they're not even like fully grown adults themselves. They're still they're not babies. thriving and they're not necessarily yes. thriving either, but they're saying this is what you do to thrive. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it, it makes me, it makes me so anxious and it, it makes me so anxious to think about why this is happening. And so my vision for my work was I was going to be a motivational speaker for kids because I learned the tools for myself and I just thought like I have to teach these things. But then um, I realized that a lot of the personal development that I was doing, and I won't go too deep in this because it's a little bit of a rabbit hole, but a lot of the personal development that I was doing was established by like old white men who didn't have to go through levels of oppression, who didn't have to go through the same things, who were doing a lot of like, it's your fault that you're like this and blah, blah, blah. And just this kind of, you need to, you need to be in charge of your life without recognizing the realities, the intersectionalities of people, um, the systems of oppression that people are in that hold them down because it was like, well, we're good. So how can we be better? But a lot of people are not even at the we're good stage. And so um, I think for me at I, I stepped away from motivational speaking for a while because I was like, I don't want to go in here and just speak empty words to kids. I don't want to go in here and just be fun and positive and then not actually have tools for them. And I, and I don't, you know, if you're out here and you're speaking good to kids, wonderful. <laughs> like I'm not knocking anybody. I'm like, you do your thing. I support you. I lift you up. Right. I a hundred percent. Thank you for what you're doing. Cause it's more than a lot of people are doing for kids. 
but I wanted to learn tools. And so I started studying like educational psychology. I started studying like positive psychology. I started studying um, the skills that adults were learning to kind of rebuild their relationship with themselves and then figuring out how do I start to introduce this at a younger age and um, being in the classroom, like speaking of systems of oppression, like I was having to grade kids on like their ability to give gratitude. And I was having to grade kids on, you know, like I understanding themselves and their levels of inner like introspection. And I just didn't like it. I was like, this doesn't feel right to bring this work into this system because this system is so oppressive already for kids. And so I tried to figure out like, how can I go where they are? How can I find them where they're at? And I learned about Twitch uh, which is a, it's like a video game streaming. And, and I, when I was working with production companies who were trying to make ideas, they kept saying, well, kids don't watch long form media. They want 60 second videos and that's it. And I knew that wasn't true because my kids will watch someone play a video game for like three to five hours. Like if they like a person, they will sit and watch them play a game. Or if they're interested in a game, they will watch someone play a game for hours. So I thought, here's this space where kids are going right? And no one is talking to them. And so instead of me going on and being like, you know, welcome to my class, here's the skills you need to learn. I'm bad at video games. I'm not very good. And the reason I'm not very good is because I don't like to lose and I don't like to feel bad at things, which is a huge thing that kids deal with. And so for me, this is the place where I do the work for myself out loud. And where oh. I can, where I have to practice positive self-talk, where I have to practice growth mindset. Because if I get on a game and quit and the kids are watching, they're like, Mr. Donovan, this is your first time. Keep going, right? And oh. that's what I'm trying to help them learn about life, right? And they're interested and they're like, they'll be like time and practice and effort. And I'm like, yep, that's growth mindset. Or like stop the positive or stop the negative self-talk, Mr. Donovan. And so it's not big right now. Most of my Twitch community are my, my former students, but as I go to these schools, because I'm about to like, I'm about to be at so many schools in the next few months, a lot of these kids are going to say like, well, I want to follow up or I I choose this person to be a teacher for me. I want to learn from this person. I like their energy. And if I say I'm on Twitch, come be a part of our community. I can show what the work looks like. I can ask kids to help regulate me in the work, which allows them to see what it's like to regulate themselves, right? Mm-hmm. To catch themselves in a tough moment and say, let me be nice to myself, mm-hmm. right? And and then, and do something that they enjoy. And I think that if you can find, if we can find opportunities to help kids do things that they enjoy, to help them co-regulate a space where they feel like they have some knowledge too, and that they can help someone else grow, and and create a space of safety and and love and understand that this person cares about us that's my dream is to be a public figure that does that for kids and the next couple of years it's going to be that's what i'm hoping to do yeah let's talk about your dreams let's tell me what's going on i'm very scared um right now because i'm in this huge moment that i've been working for for a long time and um there's this huge fear coming up for me of, will I be able to do it? Will kids care? Is this what I'm supposed to do? And remembering my why has really helped me connect to the work in a deeper way of like, there are kids out there right now who wish that they had access to this stuff. There are kids out there that want to feel cared for and want to like feel like someone respects them and and someone loves and cares about them. And that's who I'm doing this for. Uh, so I'm, I spent two years after the today show 
um, talking to some production companies about doing a TV show uh, because I, I wanted to do a youth empowerment show. And a lot of the companies I spoke with, I'm really grateful for all the opportunities. I want to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the companies that I I, I talked to were pushing um, something that I that doesn't align with how I feel about young people. And it was more about what's going to be viral and, and, and kind of exploiting like emotional issues of young people. And, and I understand the intent behind it, but I want to make content that kids want to watch. I don't want to make content that is about kids that they won't watch. And so I, it took me a while, but I found a production company who I really like. I've got a couple of, um, I've got a couple people in the entertainment industry uh, who are really supporting the work and lifting it up. And in a couple of months, I'm looking at shooting a sample episode for my series to then push to networks. And so, so and then it's like, I like, you know, I don't really care about being a celebrity or anything like that, but I just know that it's a way to create buy-in for kids. Mm -hmm. And it sounds, I don't want to sound manipulative when I say that, but it's like, it gives me credibility and it gives kids a reason to want to be connected to the work. And you know what I mean? And just giving me a bigger platform for kids to find me and find these spaces and eventually these resources that I want to create for them. So um, hopefully we'll see fingers crossed. I'm working with some really amazing young people because even oh. though the show is about my journey, I want to incorporate the young people who I really lift up and and support. And there are some kids in this country and in this world who are doing amazing things, who are doing things that will shift the trajectory of their communities, that will shift the trajectory of our society. And we don't give enough attention to them. And when Mm -hmm. we do, we do it in a way that is very like, look at this individual superstar, this one kid, and I want to really humanize them. So Mm -hmm. kids watching can say like, oh, this kid's like me, I could do something like this. Like I don't Mm -hmm. have to be a celebrity or an influencer to have impact in my community. Um, so that's, that's the goal I'm coaching right now, but if we get the series picked up, I'll be shooting next year, next academic school year. That's fantastic. Oh my God. I'm so excited. And also, like I keep saying, I have these dreams that more than kids will be able to access and do your work. Like these learning modules that you have are just as important for the 49 year old well, I think they want to do it more than the kids. Themselves. What? Yeah, exactly. Right. I know. It's like, I think they want to do it. So I'm working with a company. Uh, they're they're rebranding. So I, I can't say the name because it launches like two days from now. Oh, but great. we do adult learning there. And it's, it's very similar. And a lot of times I try to re- make that connection because kids are humans and adults are humans. And this right. is human work, right. which means not only is it going to look similar, but we could do this work together. Mm-hmm. I think if more adults brought kids in, in terms of support and in terms of growth and, and here's how I want to grow and, and creating support for each other, it would, it would feel much more like community, but we often don't allow kids to see our struggle or we try to tell them everything is fine. And I get it. There's a line. We don't want to like, I say this all the time. It's like, we don't want to show them our bank statements. Like I get it. Right. Like right, right. we don't want to stress them out, but just letting them know, like, I'm scared, like, or I'm, this is, you know, this is causing me some anxiety or, you know, I need to take better care of myself. Even just 
articulating those things can validate for young people that that's a real experience and that they don't have to they don't have to look at themselves as less than because they're struggling with something that is a human struggle that a lot of people deal with so i try to make myself like a model of um safe vulnerability with young people mm-hmm. um to let them know that this is a part of the human life and 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 we can grow and we can we can learn from these things and you're not alone in it well, some of my most, I think a lot of us could say that a lot of our most powerful moments in this lifetime were when someone was vulnerable with us. Like, I'll never forget. My mother was rarely vulnerable with me, but she um, had to, she apologized. There was a mm-hmm. trend, there was a pattern of her just lashing out at me for no reason, like, mm-hmm. and accusing me of things that were not true. And so she apologized once for that behavior and honestly, it got me through life. That one apology mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. she acknowledged, like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I was not angry at you. I was angry at something else. And it, and it was when I was a middle schooler, it was like, thank yep. you for that. Those, yeah. um, so having those between adults and children and adults and adults and children and children, it's a, it's a beautiful trend that you're setting up. Um, well, I was going to say, because I know you said you have parents that listen to this. Um, there are three things that you can do that can help raise kids self-worth and it seems so basic but i found like so much success in these things and the first one is apologize when harm is created and i think it's really tough for adults to let go of the power or to let go of the ego that is attached to intent versus impact right Mm. like i didn't mean to make them feel this way or to you know like i do so much for them they shouldn't it shouldn't matter if i hurt their feelings or blah 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 but it's 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 a really huge act of love to put your ego aside to say like i caused harm regardless of the intention and i'm sorry right Mm. and it shows kids that they're worthy of of that respect and also it shows them that it's okay and it's strong to recognize that sometimes we cause harm, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. we make mistakes and that we can apologize for these things without lessening who we are as people. And if, especially parents, if we were to do that with their kids, you know, we want to tell kids to be, to say sorry to one another, but what about letting them experience what it feels like when you've created harm? The second one is thanking them. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. I try to, I try to do very specific thank yous with kids or like, thank you for this specific action because it had this impact on me. And so it's like, thank you for um, being, just treating me with respect because it makes my day easier. Right. Or thanks for cleaning up the house because when I came home, like I had less stress on me and it, it, it really appreciates and acknowledge and affirms these behaviors in young people, but it also shows them that that they can have an impact on someone and that what they do matters. Cause we often talk about just like the negative stuff, like what you say in a negative way matters, but also the positive stuff matters. And then the last one is to ask their opinions about things to just ask them what they think, right. To just say like, what do you think about this situation? Or like, can I ask your feedback for this? Or we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? And it just shows them that like their level of insight 
is worthy of being recognized. It doesn't mean you have to do everything that they think, right? But just saying like, I just want to get your feedback on this or I'm feeling really nervous about talking to my coworker. Like, do you have any idea? Like, especially my teens, like they're thinking about these things a lot. And I and I think it's, they're always looking for opportunities to help and support and you get to decide what you do with that, right? But just asking their opinion on things, right? You don't have to ask for them solutions, but what do you think in this situation? Do you think I was wrong? Do you think I should apologize? like just having honest conversations with young people um i think can be really powerful that situation where we had to restore the classroom after we did the harm circle that went on for three days where the kids requested that we kept coming back and talking about the harm that had been done my first ask of them was to design the new classroom like i was like here's all the furniture we have we're gonna have a design contest and I want you to pick, what do you think the classroom should look like? What should the flow feel like? How should we set up our space so it's successful? And it was so fun to see them design classroom layouts and then for them to vote on it, right? And for them to say, because even their like, kids would be like, well, we need like a vending machine. And other kids would be like, come on, like, come on, you know, we can't do that. Someone was like, if we could just set up like a gaming corner where we can play video games, then they're like, no. So just listening to them like, know that some of that stuff was unreasonable like but just giving them the space to practice it showed them how much I respected their opinion and um it was wonderful so those three things are like my go-tos when it's like how do you want to help kids build self-worth not telling them what to do that that's what our kind of go-to is like I have to show them what to do I have to give them the tools and blah 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 but actually model it model these behaviors and and allow them to process them and take them in and and to integrate it like oh wow like it's it is not okay for people to cause harm to me right like people like you can't i can hold myself accountable when i make harm i can hold myself accountable when i make a mistake like i do have an impact on people what i think does matter to some people if more kids grew up feeling that way about themselves we would see a lot more leadership and we would see a lot more contribution and we would see a lot more engagement in society um, because they're, even with social media, it's like, they're clearly seeking validation. And that is a human experience of, I want to be validated. I want to be seen. I want to know that I matter. And that other human thing that we have is we want to make a difference too. And like mm-hmm. that, that scenario of the parent asking the child, what do you think about this thing that's happening at work? Like that, it does not matter if that advice is taken, that child gets mm-hmm. to make a difference in that moment. That's mm-hmm. so beautiful. And isn't it, I feel like one of the saddest things is when someone feels like they can't make a difference in anyone's mm-hmm. life, right? Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. is, the worst kind of resignation, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So- I, I had a kid at a camp I worked at um, who was just like, he just like kept cleaning up after the group. And like, like the group would be getting together. They were like 12 year old boys. And it was like, it's time to line up, time to go down to lunch. You got to like, they're like all over the place. So we got to get them together. And it's like, come on, come on. And I would like see him. And he would be like cleaning stuff up or he would be like closing the tents that other people forgot to close. And, and he was doing it really quietly. And so I pulled him aside and I, cause I was, I wasn't even his camp counselor. I was like a program manager at the time. So I pulled him aside and I was like, Hey, like gratitude's really important to me. Or, Can I share something with you? And he was like, yes. And he's like, yes, sir. He kept saying, yes, sir. And I was like, look, I see what you're doing and I really appreciate it. And I, it wasn't like the other counselors aren't telling you this. I was like, I'm, I've been here for two days. 
and I've seen you do this, this, and this, and it really helps the community. And I didn't even finish the sentence before he just started bawling and he hugged me so tight. Like he just grabbed me and hugged me really tight and was crying. And I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, 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 I'm sorry. And he was like, I just, I like, this is how I was raised. And I just feel like no one's ever really said thank you to me. And like, I'm not doing it. He's like, I'm not doing it. And I could hear him trying to make excuses. He's like, I'm not doing it to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's okay to be appreciated. And for all the hard work that you do, I taught him one of my favorite quotes from a TV show, Futurama, which is sometimes when you do the right thing, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. And I was like, so when you do get appreciation, like hold on to it. And I do really appreciate you for doing this. And uh, it was one of my favorite, most powerful moments with a young person um, to see that like visceral because he was like straight face. And then something I said, he it just broke and he hugged. And then he was like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then just to see the smile that he had on his face for the rest of the day, it wasn't this big beaming, like, let me brag to everyone. It was like, I was seen today, you know? Wow. And this is why Donovan Taylor Hall is a very important person on this earth right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I want to say something of love. Oh my God. I want to say something. I want to say something. Um, and I, because I also struggle with receiving stuff like that as well, but I, in the same sense that I do my work with the kids, it is the work and so many people do it in their own ways. And I'm so lucky to be able to lift this work up on a public figure kind of path, but it's like, I am a human being who is doing really important work versus I, I don't view myself as an important human being doing this work. I view that like, I am like a facilitator of something that is much larger than me. There have been teachers who have been doing this for their kids for years, years. There are people, there are parents who have been doing this work. There are, you, you know, youth development workers. There are so many people who do it. And I, I have to, for my own self, remind myself that I am coming up on so much work to get me to where I am. And and I, I lift that up because I think sometimes if I feel like it's too much about me, then I, then I get into the ego and I get into the like, am I worthy of this? But when I remember it's about the work that's important, mm -hmm. just like the work that you do is incredibly, incredibly important, right? The work that we facilitate is so important. I feel like that's more accessible for people than like, that's just that person. I, I accept it and I, I appreciate you and I send you so much love, but it's also <laughs> something I want to acknowledge because I am so grateful for the people who have gotten me where I am, if that makes that, sense. That's a great distinction. No, and it's also, uh, and I, I love that. I mean, you are a channel, right? Like it's like mm -hmm. a moment. We have a moment on the earth and thank God mm -hmm. you're taking on, like there were a lot of times on your journey that I'm sure that you could have pivoted and gone left mm -hmm. and not continued on this journey. So I just want to say thank you for staying on the journey. This is a, you know, it's a warrior's journey. It is a hero's journey. It is, oh. it is an angel's journey. You know, it is. So thank you for being, being who you are and doing what you're doing. And also, can I just say, I I've watched a lot of, of, uh, cause Donovan's content is largely in videos, right? So like you're w watching videos a lot of time and I've never seen you wearing a flower shirt before. And I have my flower background and you were like, 
Could you match the the podcast anymore? Oh my god! I tried to like because when I did the Today Show, they were like, "Oh, the next Mister Rogers," and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna buy a bunch of flower shirts because I really like flower shirts." Uh-huh. And then I just did. I did not stay consistent. They're in there. If you go, I've got okay. like 15 Sorry. flower shirts. <laughs> I'm not very consistent. Uh, right. That's something I've learned. Is so I was like, "Here's this great idea," and then I was like, "I'm only gonna do videos and flower shirts," and that lasted for like a month. And then I was like, "Oops, t-shirts, sweaters, I don't care." But flower shirts are my favorite, and I think it's uh, it's because I, it starts. It just reminds me of young people as a, a flower. What we see on the outside is is this beauty and this mm-hmm. kind of final product, but it starts with a seed. It starts with the same kind of plain looking seed. And through nurturing and growth, it's able to to bloom. And that's why I wanted to wear flower shirts. And no one ever asked me about them. Oh so thank you for giving me a place <laughs> to finally say I was intentional about the flower shirts. And I just love flowers. Like, I love flowers. So the heart so flower is like, everywhere. oh, my God, that's it. Um, I also have to say, I just I'm doing a course called Unpandemicize Your Heart right now. And we just had yeah. the third session uh, two days ago. And can I just I just need you to know that that was all about seeding what what seed so we we looked at what we were unconsciously had taken on during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and then clearing the soil and fertilizing the soil and now what seeds do we want to plant i mean i can't even believe you just said those words it's like alignment (laughs) no it's so awesome and then also i just have to say that i saw you know i don't normally i do not as a practice look at or listen to previous podcasts because I don't want to be paranoid about asking the same question twice but I did click just for a few minutes on a podcast that you did with some teenagers because I want I was like oh my god and they did such an extraordinary job but I saw in the background you had this exact do you see this yeah I wonder it was in the background where you were at the time it was black and it was Uh... on the it was at TJ's house. Isn't that crazy though? Because I wear this every day. Yeah. And, and the deeper, oh my God. It's like when you're on your path, synchronicity is so huge. And I've yes. learned to really listen to signs. And I, that's a sign. That's like a whole nother, I need to connect with that person sign. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Cause that was, oh my a really God, good that's so great. Did you read <laughs> the Celestine prophecy by James Redfield? He wrote a book called the Celestine prophecy. It's all about synchronicity and oh, yeah, um, I'll definitely read it. Oh my God. You're going to love it. Um, Cause it's huge. It's huge for me. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of scary how things happen the way that they do. And I've just learned to be like lean into it versus like, cause I did today show thing. Like I yeah. literally was going to leave teaching and try to start a YouTube channel with no leads, no idea how I was going to do it. And then a month before I like sat down and did like this whole ritual of like, I trust, I, I trust, I know what I, I know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know this is going to work out. And then two days later, I got a message on TikTok from this lady who's like, I've been following you on TikTok. I'm from the today show. We want to do a story on you. And then literally, I, it just completely launched me into this. I didn't, I skipped like 40 steps, basically. And it, it was just like, I like sat down and did like a whole little ritual of like to the universe of like, 
I trust you. I know you'll take care of me. And two days later, it was like, I've been having a lot of fear around content and it's connected to this huge, it's like such a deep, it's connected to a huge thing. I had a, a fear of being seen, of um, really being seen in the vulnerability that I've been putting out and how much it was taking a toll on me because I wasn't taking care of myself. And so I started taking better care of myself and I started leaning into like, I'm ready to be seen. Like I'm I'm ready to step into this, even though it's scary. And and I do chanting. I have my um gunhunzong right here. Oh, so yeah. I do um, yeah, I do Buddhist chanting. Yeah. And uh it was like the universe put a commercial up for me because within like within three weeks, I had five booked gigs at schools. I had a campaign with Adobe, Microsoft for education, just reshared my videos like out of nowhere. It was literally like someone hit like a people were like, I just found you randomly and we want you to come to our school. And it was all this huge shift kind of thing. So yeah, we're gonna have to do a second. Okay. Because I never get to talk about this stuff and I have a bunch of stuff and my friend told me that it was kind of witchcrafty and I I was like, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> For sure, we'll be hearing again from our superhero of love friend, Donovan Hall. Again, find Donovan on Twitch, TikTok, and Instagram as Donofriend, D-O-N-O friend. His website is his name, DonovanTaylorHall.com. And if you like this interview, please like it, subscribe to the Superhero of Love podcast, and tell every living soul that you know about it. And if you subscribe, you'll know when we have Donovan back, right? To tell about his magical, mystical, synchronistic manifesting ways. Thanks for listening, Superhero. Now let's go pay Donovan's love forward.